What's cracking, lovely people? This is the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. Thank you for downloading and welcome along. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist by trade. This podcast focuses on nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences, and it has 100 episodes so far. We're supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. And you can gain 10% off your first order with Matt10 at checkout. So the link to 33 Fuel's website is in the show notes. And if you delve into that, lovely people, you'll find that they split their products into four different sections. Before sport, prepare. During sport, energy and hydration. After sport, protein and recovery. And foundation, which is health. Jumping into the foundation section, you'll find the ultimate daily greens powder made of wheatgrass, pea protein, cinnamon, barley grass, corella, spinach, spirulina, kale and broccoli. So during sports section, you'll find the chia seed energy gel made of chia seeds, palm sugar, vanilla and Himalayan pink sea salt. And then after sport, you'll find the protein powder made up of pea protein, coconut sugar, raw cacao, banana, rice protein and sunflower protein. So if you have a look, I hope you find something useful. I use the products. I know Warren and Erica really well, the co-founders. So um, yeah, it's it's really good to be uh, paired with them and, and to work together and to bring you this show. So today's guest is Tiffany Afflick. Now, Tiffany is a sports nutrition advisor. So three years ago, Tiffany began as an intern for British Swimming and now consults for them. She also develops recipes for various companies from sports nutrition brands to Tom Little Colour Fit. She graduated with a first in sports and exercise sciences from Loughborough University in July 2019. And you can find all of her eats deets on Instagram via the cooking yam. So as always, I hope you find something useful from our conversation. So let's get involved with Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Hi Matt, thank you for having me. No, it's brilliant having you on. So um, yeah, for the listeners' benefit, uh, where are you and, and how are you during this lockdown period? Okay, so currently I moved back home with family. So I'm actually now in the West Midlands, so back to my uh, back to my young roots, I suppose. So I'm actually situated uh, sort of near Wolverhampton, which is where I grew up. Um, so it's a bit of a change from Loughborough, where I used to be based for the past few years, doing my undergrads and then um, work alongside British Swimming. So yes, now back in, back in Wolverhampton with family, and it feels like it's all going quite well, actually. So work-wise, going really well, um, keeping up with clients and things all virtually. And then also, it's just great to be back with family for a little bit more time than I'm, I'm used to as well. Oh, fab. So you studied in Loughborough, lived in Loughborough for a bit, and then you're back with family now and obviously working remotely and taking on the challenges of obviously trying to coach people and um, teach people and recipe develop from from home basically yeah it's it's all that it's kind of uh, this household we've got everything going on here now <laughs> um, yeah at first I thought you know is it going to be a lot of a challenge not having that kind of office space to to take myself away to and really get my head down and focus but it's actually worked out quite well here we're quite lucky and kind of making all my rooms uh, quite multi-purpose really so yes it functions as an office it functions as recipe development space all those sorts of things all in one I think I've had to buy a little bit more equipment than I uh, anticipated. Things like induction hobs have been on the list uh, from Amazon orders. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's all working fairly well, managing to do as much as I normally would from home. So yeah, that's all fantastic. 
No, that's really good because you know everyone's obviously facing challenges, but it's important that you find positives. And it seems like obviously you've um you know you've managed to en- enhance what you do, even though it's it's from home and and it and it's been a bit disrupted. So that's that is brilliant. It'll be really cool to um you know unpick that term sports nutrition advisor because I've had a lot of uh, different types of practitioners on recently and I've tried to make it a bit of a, a theme in the past few months um, selfishly because I thought you know a few of these people might be a bit more uh, available because obviously everyone's from home I can't always capture conversations with with, with everyone I can so I've had you know a dietitian on uh, various nutritional therapists registered nutritionists and and performance nutritionists so obviously I, I came across your your site your recipes on Instagram and I'll link all, all, all of the listeners to that but it would be brilliant to hear about your journey into you know becoming a sports nutrition advisor and, and obviously what what that means to the the teams you work with and organizations and companies but then also what it what it means to yourself as well so bit bit of a loaded question to start with but I think um no it'd just be brilliant to hear a bit about your journey really fantastic yeah well I suppose for me it all started probably around three or four years ago um so like I mentioned previously I went to Loughborough University to do my undergrad and that was in sports science um whilst I was on um on that program I actually had the opportunity to take a placement year um so for people who don't know that placement year is a full year away from the course you spend time in industry uh working alongside kind of either sports teams or health organizations anything where you can find an opportunity and it gives you that chance to explore anything within sports science or maybe even slightly outside of sports science just to help develop your professional skills and and i was actually fortunate enough to do my placement with british swimming in loughborough which was always that was actually one of my dreams going to Loughborough in the first place that's something i always had my sights set on so i was extremely lucky to get that um, opportunity and whilst I was there, it was a generic sports science placement. So I had the chance to kind of explore all those different areas of sports science, tapping into biomechanics, which I figured out wasn't my strong point. <laughs> I looked into physiology, which was fantastic and loved it. Uh, but it was nutrition that really, really uh, caught my attention and that I found I had that passion for. Um, so I actually developed a great working relationship with Richard Chesser, who is the lead nutritionist and head of physical performance prep. Um, at British Swimming and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit, helped me uh, kind of get that exposure to everything involved, kind of like revolving around nutrition, so everything from kind of skin fold measurements, doing athlete education workshops, one-to-ones, all of those sorts of areas of uh, a nutritionist remit really that I hadn't had any experience in before. Um, so say so that's probably the key thing that really kind of set me on that path towards nutrition. I'd always had that little bit of an interest in, in things like food and cooking growing up, but that was the real opportunity to kind of tap into what does it look like from a practitioner perspective. Mm. Um, and then so following on from that placement, I got loads of experience, went back to my final year. I did my um, final year of dissertation project with British Swimming again, which is fantastic for kind of that continuity and then also gaining that exposure in kind of um, the research side of things in nutrition as well. Um, actually, something I didn't mention is I actually uh, took the opportunity to, uh, to undertake a diploma whilst I was on placement. So that was quite challenging considering I was on placement doing a full-time role. Actually, because I loved nutrition so much, I wanted to get a little bit more of an insight into the scientific aspect of it because we hadn't really covered it much on the course. And so I took an advanced diploma in sports nutrition, which is actually like a level five um, European sort of qualification. So that's where the term sports advisor actually comes from. Once I completed that course, whilst I was on the placement year, has the ability to then call myself sports nutrition advisor 
and following into uh, into my final year with all the kind of experience and skills I gained on placement I started then actually applying that and kind of practicing it a little bit I suppose um, so that involves kind of working with people who have their own um, nutrition goals already but probably needed more of the help with uh, with kind of the food side of things so I started to notice actually a little bit of that gap between all of that scientific knowledge that I've gained through working alongside British swimming um, practitioners through the course that I've done but there's actually that gap there between applying it in practice for people who actually really need that information. So I've got people who've got all these fantastic goals in mind in terms of making these positive lifestyle changes, upskilling themselves on nutrition and cooking and taking that responsibility for their own health. But there's just that tiny gap there. They're not really sure how to actually go about it. Um, so one of the things I actually uh, kind of had in mind to, to kind of drive me forward in terms of my nutrition career was, okay, let's help these people gain that knowledge and gain those skills in a really accessible way and so that instagram account that you, that you mentioned previously that i started whilst i was on placement originally that began as kind of a, a way of connecting with athletes um, and kind of showing them their own kind of ideas in terms of filming their training i then kind of expanded that and appealed to a much wider much wider audience and thought okay there's a whole host of people out there who are looking to make these changes whether it's people who are gym goers or they're kind of on the amateur amateur athlete kind of level and they all kind of need this knowledge, but they're not really sure where to get it from. Um, so that was kind of uh, the task that I put on myself is let's create all these different recipes. Let's put a few nutrition tips out there. Anything that is just quite simple and accessible. It's not too heavy on the nutrition science side of things, but it's still kind of, you know, that trustworthy source of information that will refer people if they're really keen in there, kind of digging into all the, all the science. Yes, fantastic, you've got your references. Other than that, on the base level, this is just what you, what you need to know. And it seems like that's something that's, that's grown, it's become really popular. It's meant that I've developed all these fantastic connections in so many different worlds, kind of, kind of from everything going from, you know, the practitioner world in nutrition uh, to elite athletes, which has been incredible for me as well this early in my career. And then also having the opportunity to uh, develop recipes for bigger companies as well, not just for my, myself and my clients anymore. So it's just kind of everything else that started from that placement with British, British Swimming and kind of just developed over time in terms of building up that massive network and then just kind of taking on any any sort of opportunities that come along as well. Mm. Oh, superb. Thanks so much for that depth. And I think I'm hearing um, you picked up a mentor. Uh, you really dug into what your course had on offer in terms of, like you said, you had to get through the modules, but their placements and things like that too. So I know there's people listening that are uh, thinking about further study or are still studying at the moment. I know it's obviously been all disrupted by COVID and things, but it's, a, it's an interesting mix where you know, you, you took those opportunities and obviously it sounds like you had to work very hard, but you're extremely motivated. But then you kind of you, you, you built your CV in a very practical way. And then you obviously went out and, and, and met some of these individuals that are working, you know, working in, in British swimming and things like that full time. So um, it's fantastic. And I'll obviously definitely people listening are linked to the Instagram and things. And one one thing I love about what you do with that, and I know obviously you're very busy with your with your full time work, is that you post, um, you know, what do people want to see, or um, have you got any have you got any uh, meals or things you'd like me to create? And obviously people answer the question, and then you go away and and put things together, or you show, you know, these are the leftovers I've got, um, and and obviously you put together a bit of a recipe video and pictures and things like that. And I think, you know, that is such a brilliant way to use social media because obviously the other side mm -hmm. is just mixed messages decision fatigue 
aesthetic this kind of performance that and it's all just waffle and, and egos whereas you're actually providing you know a fantastic service but it's also it allows you to develop and play around with things and then I suppose you know enjoy in, enjoy tinkering and and seeing what comes out of it and then you can kind of go back into the professional side which might be a bit more behind closed doors obviously because you can't film and take photos of everything mm-hmm. um so it so it's a, it's a really nice mixture and I think you know I don't I don't work in elite sports similar to similar to the level that you do but I, that's where I saw similarities in 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 ourselves using the Instagram page to be creative and pushing out some you know foodie eats deets and then obviously using it parts of it behind closed doors to kind of you know really benefit the the individuals and and the teams that we're working with so no it's absolutely fab and I think it would be great to dig in a bit more to to the swimming side because I know that you that you're you know you're you're a swimmer you work with swimmers it'd be really good for for people listening to this because I've never really dug into the nutrition side and I think I hear from people it's not something I do a huge amount of but most people that I, that I speak to they come out of the pool and they're all they're always saying I'm, I'm ravenous I'm starving <laughs> you know I'm, I'm hungry so is that you know from a professional point of view what's what's going on there you know is it because people don't swim as often they're not as efficient with their movements so they they feel uh you know more fatigued and tired so their their hunger response goes up it would be cool to dig into your experiences with you know sports nutrition um, advice to to swimmers and then obviously how how you do your own thing too perfect this is such an interesting area and i've actually done a lot of reading and research around it as well um, and it's actually we get so many mixed results from all the literature reviewed there are so many mixed results on this um and it goes from things like we there's been studies that have looked into uh, effects of swimming on a hungry and appetite afterwards the studies that found that there was increased uh, sensations of appetite have thought, okay, is it related to the temperature of the water, for example? If you're exercising in water that's fairly cold, is it then expending, expending more energy um, during that swim? Are you then more hungry afterwards compared to doing um, kind of like bike exercise, for example? So I suppose that's one thing that ties into it. Uh, like you've just mentioned as well, in terms of if you're someone who's unfamiliar to swimming and you're definitely not very efficient in the water in terms of like your stroke, your stroke rate, rate and your breathing, that is also potentially something that stems into it as well. Just uh, if even if you are a good swimmer, if that's not your main sport and you're used to, uh, to running, for example, it uses completely different muscle groups. And actually swimming is a sport that activates, you know, kind of it's a whole body exercise. It activates so many muscle groups. But if you're someone who weight trains or just runs or does any other sport where you're used to using only partial muscle groups, for example, you are obviously, again, expending more energy there and you will fall or feel more hungry. It's completely individualised in sport, exercise, fitness, nutrition. And actually, people have got really individualised responses to swimming. I personally know swimmers who will get out of the pool and they are absolutely ravenous and they mm. can't wait to, you know, to grab a handful of something on poolside before they've even left the building. Whereas others, they don't actually feel very hungry afterwards. They're happy to just wait, get home and make themselves a really substantial meal afterwards. Um, from personal experience, I don't feel very hungry whenever I finish a swim, even if it's uh, a really chilly open water one like the ones I've been doing lately. Um, I guess I just probably am one of these people who gets more suppressed appetite after exercise. And you know, there have been plenty of studies that have shown that as well, probably through different modes of exercise. But there is that kind of influence of, especially aerobic exercise and endurance training um, on the suppression of appetite as well. Um, so there's, again, a lot of different factors that kind of uh, that kind of come into all of these. And actually, uh, the topic of my undergrad uh, final year product, uh, project 
was looking at the impact of breakfast consumption or breakfast emission mm. on everything involving things like appetite, appetite sensations, um, total energy intake across the rest of the day, performance in a training session, etc. Mm. And uh, again, there was a bit of variation on what we found. There are some swimmers who really seem like they suffer <laughs> if they don't have breakfast before they train. In terms of things like appetite during the session, RPE as well, we see that there's increased RPE on fasted sessions. And then also the amount of food they ate throughout the rest of the day was significantly increased. Mm. But as a whole, we didn't actually find that there was too much of an increase in energy intake. And it's all stemming back to that kind of, if you omit breakfast, especially for these athletes who are, you know, eating such high volumes of food to, to maintain an energy balance, we find they can't kind of compensate for that across the rest of the day. Mm. So I'd summarise in, in terms of that is there are big variations. Some of my swimmers, yeah, they get really, really hungry. They feel the effects if they don't feel well beforehand and if they don't feel well afterwards. But it is completely individualised and that goes for kind of elite athletes and it goes for uh, members of the public as well who, who just enjoy a really casual leisure swim to keep fit. Mm. I think that's such an important message to bring across. You know, you you, you work with so, so many individuals at different levels and, it, you know, it has to be individual in terms of um, feeding before, during, after, uh, and it's great just to have that discussion, um, because uh, like I said, in terms of messages and things like that out there, there there's so much information, and, and people do really get decision fatigue, and it just, you know, it affect them even deciding to go out and exercise, and what should I eat, and then people end up not really doing anything. So it's interesting to see that, you know, even at the elite level, uh, people still have to listen to their bodies and 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 figure things out, and then obviously. You know, take 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 advice and 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 see trends and things through, um, working with people like yourself. So, um, in terms of the the open water swimming, um, you know, it's we're we're in the summer at the moment. Um, you know, we can we can go out and exercise. Um, social distancing and 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 endurance exercise and things like that go go quite well together. Um, it it's definitely building in popularity. So if there's anyone listening to this that are on the fence. You know what? What would you say to to open water swimming? Obviously, some people get slightly cautious. They can't see, you know, the bottom of the water. They're what they're worried about ingesting dirty water. But I suppose you know there's so many benefits to the other side of it, isn't it? Once you once you get in and you obviously take oh, that absolutely. leap. Absolutely. Um, it'd be yeah, great to hear how you how how you obviously got into it because I know you know you you work you work in swimming as 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 a job, but then you know you must have discovered the benefits for yourself of, of not just in an indoor pool but getting out and and you know seeing some of these fantastic you know n- natural pools or lakes or you know even the sea it'd be brilliant to hear a bit about that absolutely i think i'm someone who kind of champions open water swimming over pools absolutely <laughs> um, i think just the sense of freedom is fantastic mentally uh, so not only are you getting that physical benefit of being in the water and, and training in the water also like you say the scenery that you uh, you kind of surround yourself in as you're doing these swims and because you can also do it from anywhere it's great for if you're off traveling somewhere it's kind of one of those accessible sports just like running is all you need is a swimming costume a wetsuit if it's a little bit chilly um, a hat and goggles and that's all you need to get out in these centers mm. i think it can be really daunting if you're someone who's not really used to open water swimming in terms of, like you say, things like not being able to see the bottom, uh, the water not being completely clear. But there's actually fantastic uh, guidelines, fantastic blogs out there. I think Outdoor Swimmers, one of the one of the best ones, Outdoor Swimming Society, in terms of giving you that advice that you need if you are looking to, to kind of take a bulk and water swimming. And there's also a huge list on their website as well of all the kind of approved national um, open water swimming centres as well. 
uh, just so that you can check they've got all the right kind of safety procedures in line. And that doesn't just go for COVID. Obviously, that's the main priority at the moment, all the COVID um, procedures these um, centres are putting in place. But then also just things like water quality. We know that if these centres are listed on that website, it's kind of a, a sure thing that they have also checked all the water quality as well to make sure it is safe to swim there. Because mm. not all open water bodies are safe to swim in. And you'd be surprised, actually, that there's kind of a lot of bugs in these waters, uh, the ones that aren't approved, so you do have to be careful. But if they're listed on the site, they've done all the appropriate checks. And then a lot of the centres also have kind of beginner courses as well. So you can find that some centres have kind of like a lane system, which is one of the centres I went to yesterday, actually, have lanes for you to swim in. So it is very similar to a pool setup. You follow the lanes, it's probably a great idea if you're not someone who's uh, done a lot of open water swimming before. You've got the lanes to follow, it's a really simple system. And then others will have kind of a wider lap course. So you'll follow the course around, you've got clear signage in terms of uh, big boys, uh, with the water for you to follow. And I, I think that's probably the one that I prefer the most, because you've got this huge course, you've got the boys to follow, and you can build up a little bit of pace as well, so it feels uh, quite refreshing, actually. Mm. But also, sea, sea swimming, fantastic. But you do have to be really careful around things like tide and the current, and then also weather conditions as well, because they, obviously we're in Britain, they can be very variable. Mm. So it's best if you're, if you're looking to take it up for the first time, just look on look online for some really trustworthy sorts of information. Swimming ones, obviously, yeah, are a governing body here in England. They've also got a lot of information in terms of uh, advice for people who are taking it up for the first time as well. That's so helpful, and I've definitely been one of those people that's on the fence about you know jumping in and doing some open water swimming. So um, no, connecting with you and seeing it on your Instagram and then discussing it on here and and um, yeah, it's making me think. Uh, you know, I run a bit. I've done a, a bit of cycling more recently, but I think that you know that next step will be will be getting out and doing some swimming. So no, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, you'll be on your way to triathlon then as well. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I like. To do is get in the water, jump in. I like working with triathletes, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe I've got. I do have a lot of friends that pre- that are, that are kind of you know getting into me, being like, start putting all these modalities together and doing them all. But you know, we'll see. Never say never. But it's um, I, I think I think it would be really valuable, especially because we're in the English summer at the moment to to dig into some of the open water swimming. So um, especially if I've said it on here and it's been recorded, I'm probably gonna have to do it now. <laughs> exactly, you're committed now. <laughs> no yeah. excuses. So if we um if if we can circle back to a, a little bit of your work with some of the swimmers and things, I know obviously you know we'd be we'd be here for for hours for days going through exactly what you do with each athlete. So I think it'd be really interesting, uh maybe over the period of time since lockdown, you know the last three or four months where especially at the start, you know a lot of the athletes weren't able to go to the 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 pools and 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 the open water swim facilities and things. So I'm I'm kind of um figuring out that you might you might have had some time to you know push more education or um you know cover a, a few things that that may you know may may be on the kind of periodized nutrition plan but not not always at the top of the list. So what what were some of the things you know that that have come out of this lockdown period for for you as as a sports nutrition advisor that that you managed to to bring across to to some of the athletes that maybe you know you might not have had time to or you know you, you would have maybe brought in a bit later but because we had you know six weeks seven weeks of the lockdown period you know you managed to to front load that information in mm-hmm. absolutely you're right in that education has been one of the big focuses of lockdown especially in those early stages 
I think because everything was so uncertain right at the beginning of lockdown, and we're like, okay, well, pools are shut, we need to switch to alternative training methods. Will this only be for a few weeks, would be a few months? Um, and we really didn't know at the, at the first instance. Um, so actually what happened is um, the athletes took a three-week break, which was fantastic for them in terms of just getting that break when it is such, you know, like a, a bit of a mentally distressing sort of time, having all this uncertainty. At that point, we also still didn't know whether Olympics would be going ahead this year as well. So it's one of those where it's okay, we'll give a three-week break. We're not sure whether we are focusing on Tokyo for this year, the following year. Um, and that was great just for, <clears throat> sorry, giving the athletes a chance to kind of mentally reset and then kind of having that break from having all of this kind of sports science information pushed at them as well. Mm. And when we did that return to training, it was things like, okay, let's get the watt bikes in, which is quite standard. It's not encouraging too much running um, just because these, these guys are swimmers and the impact of running on lower body joints and uh, lower body muscle groups is quite stressful <laughs> and quite demanding. And so yeah, it's mainly watt bike sessions, all sorts of land training, so kind of circuit training, whole body conditioning, all of those sorts of things. And what we did alongside that, it was nutrition education. It was more just like, okay, well, it's an altered training mode that you're doing. We're expending different amounts of calories. Some, obviously, some swimmers have got different goals than others in this period as well. So it's okay, let's create kind of all-encompassing nutrition information. A lot of infographics went out. Um, just mainly, okay, what are the key principles we need to think about here? Is it protein intake? Is it mm. maintaining good immunity? All of these different things just to kind of keep athletes ticking over just in case, uh, just until that landscape kind of settled down a little bit more. Alongside that, we've done a lot of kind of uh, cooking skill upskilling as well um, in terms of creating infographics around what are simple recipes that you can create from home. So that's probably one of the biggest areas I sort of helped to help push as well. Things like fakeaways were the biggest, uh, biggest thing that we really looked at doing. So mm. that was kind of healthy alternatives to the takeaways, which might have been a little bit tempting whilst uh, training is kind of reduced a little bit. So it's just kind of, as you've said, really looking at educating the athletes in a time when they're not kind of uh, bombarded with all this other information that they normally get during the, during the season. So I'd say in that sense, it's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously the guys have been in the water now for the past probably about six or so weeks, actually, which is really fortunate. And there, there is a different focus now. It is more kind of training focused. The coaches have, and all the science, sports science practitioners have taken an excellent lead there in terms of getting the guys back into shape again, providing them all that kind of uh, on-the-ground support and then also remote support that they need as well. Mm. And I guess for me personally, I've kind of switched my focus a little bit more and I've actually engaged with a lot of elite, um, sub elite swimmers out in Dubai as well for a big swimming club out in Dubai. And these are actually junior athletes. Um, they've been in, experienced kind of similar thing in terms of pools, pools are shut out there as well. Um, so what does their training look like? It's very similar to what the guys in the UK are doing in terms of it's training from home. It's home cardio on the bike or going for runs. And then it's also a little bit of those land training sessions as well. So it's kind of fantastic having that opportunity to uh, kind of experience it all with, with British women and seeing how they're handling things. And then looking at supporting those athletes who are over in Dubai and they actually don't have a lot of nutrition support. One, because they're junior athletes and support in terms of nutrition is quite limited anyway and then also we're thinking it's club level um so again club level nutrition support it's not often the priority which you, again you might have experienced for yourself too mm. so just kind of getting those uh, getting that opportunity to cross over skills and knowledge learned from from kind of here in the uk and the, the teams and the athletes i work with here and translating that across there are obviously a lot of differences uh, things like the the training schemes over in Dubai, they're very intense. <laughs> so actually, I'd say uh, that's probably one big thing that I've managed to experience and 
something I will take away from me. The way of life in Dubai and the way of training in Dubai is very different from here in the UK. So just kind of having the opportunity to, to explore and work with these athletes out there has been fantastic. And again, it is that kind of educational side of things that we're working on for this main phase. And they are kind of tra transitioning in that return to training phase as well. So again, taking all, all those things I've uh, experienced through British Swimming's return to training procedures, and trying to apply that to the, these athletes who are now experiencing it in Dubai as well. Mm. And I think that's an important point. You know, you can't just lift and shift all your information over to working with athletes in different countries and things, because obviously you have to spend a lot of time understanding the environment and, um, you know, what they have access to. And obviously you're, you're, you're rooted in, in the science and then, and then a lot of the toolbox that you've that you've created a you know full of tools and things that maybe work over here in britain but then i think it's great that you know as as a young practitioner you can you can go and try to you know work in those environments too and obviously you're not traveling so you're not feet on the ground really seeing you know smelling hearing exactly what's going on so i think it's it's you know trying trying to build rapport but then also um, understand what's going on in those environments and then sending out information to upskill um, you know athletes all around the world in terms of uh, cooking and preparing and I think that's you know that's where the rub is isn't it you've got you've got uh, athletes and, and and everyday people or everyday athletes if you want to call it um, or you want to call them sorry it's there's a there's a there's a lot of expenditure you know calorie expenditure is high because people that you're working with are swimming all the time and I think it's that what are you consuming on average? You know, your average dietary intake. Yes, there's going to be some foods coming in that, that you might want to buy, high fat, high sugar, for morale, etc. You know, brilliant. You don't you don't want to say no to everything. But then if you can create some of these, um, you know, meals that people then usually buy out at home, pizza, curry, um, you know, uh, burgers, anything like that, there's just a few. You know, if you can make those at home that are nutrient dense and you have those, say, 70 80 percent of the time you know that that's just going to be in, in in enhancing your average dietary intake which obviously as practitioners that's what you and i look at really isn't it you don't really focus on that um kind of one or one or two meals and then usually the client kind of goes into self-destruct mode it's it's actually like look you know what are you consuming over time in general and if you're making these swaps and you're actually making it yourself you know that that's that's great and you're covering a lot of bases there so um no that's really that's really good to hear and um yeah i think it's it's great to get across that you know your your role is is very dynamic and obviously you have to work hard but then you know your passion is rooted in food so you're kind of you're kind of this like problem solver for a few athletes in the practical sense and then you're creating these um you know kind of uh, infographics and then obviously you're liaising with which are I'm sure you love, you know, you're liaising with coaches, strength and conditioning, um, you know, coaches and practitioners and the, and then people that are kind of obviously running the whole the whole program and things like that. So, um, you know, that that's obviously the benefit of, of working, you know, part time in large organisations as well. There's a lot of moving parts. So, um, no, yeah, it's, it's exactly why I wanted to get you on, really, because I, I know you're, you know, you're doing as much as you can, trying to fit in as much as you can. And then obviously recipe developing and and pushing that out so people can you know see it on your website and on instagram and things like that so um no that's 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 brilliant so what have you what have you been um what have you been working on over, over the last few few days or weeks in terms of food if people you know haven't been to your instagram or your website can you highlight maybe some some of the dishes or snacks or things that you know you you, you think are absolute winners or you think people should try well i think 
a lot of my Instagram seems to uh, revolve around meat-free dishes. Um, that's personally, again, because I, I don't eat meat, so that's kind of almost a little bit of a selfish thing, I suppose. Uh, I can cook meat, and I do cook meat for, for the athletes that I work with. But what I noticed when I first set up this Instagram, there was obviously that huge boost in meat-free eating, vegan, plant-based movement, which is still going. Um, it's not exactly something that I want to do in terms of riding the wave, but it's in terms of kind of showing people how to put these meals together mm. and how to create a nutritious kind of all-encompassing meal. Because as you'll know, there's quite a few uh, pitfalls of vegan and plant-based eating if you're not careful. Um, so it's just kind of showing people here's how to prepare certain foods, whether that's um, kind of like your uh, essential amino acids, things like quinoa, tofu, for example, if you're, if you're on a completely vegan diet. So it's kind of looking at showing people, educating them how to use these foods, how to prepare them well to make sure you're getting everything that you need. And that is something that I tend to focus on quite a lot. So yesterday was a good, good example of that, actually. We went with the, uh, the kind of meat-free Monday way of doing things. So that was the theme for yesterday. And that was a really, really simple tomato and grain dish. Uh, so really simple pack of uh, a grain mix, a really uh, easy one to just throw in the microwave, throw in the pan. Grilled veggies in there as well, topped with feta. So it's quick and easy, showing people that you can get these really nutritious meals. And it doesn't have to cost a lot, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time either. Mm. Um, as you said right at the beginning, in terms of being really flexible and asking uh, my followers what they'd like to see and what they need help with, uh, that's one of the biggest things I've really tried to focus on throughout the whole of lockdown. Uh, just especially in the beginning in terms of things like shortages of certain foods and ingredients and then also people being at home a little bit more and just with uh, just as with the athletes it's taken the opportunity to kind of educate people a bit more they've got more time to spend in the kitchen more time to spend uh, preparing mm. food for themselves and obviously with all the kind of uh, the fast food restaurants shut at the beginning it was also a great opportunity to show people how to make alternatives to, uh, to fast food as well mm. And uh, so something I did a few days ago based on that kind of whole engagement push that I've been, been really working on over the past couple of months, I asked people what would you like to see more of this week and gave a few options and meal prep ideas came out as a top option. So that will be the focus of the rest of this week as well. Showing people, okay, what is meal prep? We know it's, uh, it's really useful to do. It's really useful to kind of have all these meals ready to go for when you're short on time or when uh, you kind of feel those cravings kick in. If you've got something there that you can just go to and reheat, probably a lot more nutritious for you as well. Mm. Uh, it's just kind of showing people what are the practical ways of achieving that. So if it's in terms of kind of bulk cooking all of your vegetables, bulk cooking your, your protein source, whether it is meat, fish or tofu, for example, just how can you do it in all these kind of different ways that you wouldn't normally think about? It doesn't have to be just plant chicken, rice and veggies. Mm. Okay, so that was the main focus for the rest of this week. I will look at changing it up using ingredients that people might not have seen before or ingredients that people don't have too much experience um, cooking with, mm. just to kind of make it really relevant, really fresh and exciting for people as well. Obviously, and actually, one other thing I should mention, something else I've uh, started doing throughout lockdown, it's Tuesday, Tuesday. And obviously, today is Tuesday. Uh, so every single Tuesday, I'll put out on my Instagram story. We've got four options here, four different ingredients. You pick which one you would like to make me um, like to see in the new recipe tomorrow. So today is Tuesday. I'll come out with these four ingredients, and whichever one is top voted, tomorrow is my recipe development day, and I will come up with a brand new recipe for everyone. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic, and um, yeah, obviously people listening to this, uh, where can where can they follow you in terms of your your Instagram and your and your website, so you know they can start 
taking part in some of these um, Choosy Tuesdays and, and Meat Free Monday recipes and all that jazz. <laughs> okay, so I'm The Cooking Yam on Instagram, on Facebook, and my new website is almost ready, ready for launch as well. So that's exciting, yeah. Another one that's been kind of in the background coming along the past few weeks. Brilliant. Yeah, The Cooking Yam. And it, but not meaning to put you on too much of a spot, but say, um, you know, taking tofu and, and quinoa, for example, you know, how, how do you like to induce flavour in 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 those in those foods because i think you know like you said people want to include them a bit more um but you know without kind of um, beating around the bush they're you know they're bland and um you once you once you cook them if you're just either you know frying or boiling or or whatever you know um people get a bit of decision fatigue about actually trying to make it taste good um so yeah maybe maybe before we go you, you can you can kind of share a few of your favorite flavors that you like to put with those you know those two kind of plant-based uh you know protein um uh options right great question uh in terms of tofu it's so versatile there's so much you can do with it however you would normally season chicken you can do the same thing with tofu Okay, so my favourite is probably barbecue, so get a really, really standard barbecue dry seasoning, cut your tofu in it, if you're feeling really fancy, you can put some breadcrumbs on as well, um, and either stick that under the grill, in the air fryer, even on the George Foreman, it works really, really well. So that's how you can prepare tofu, I know a lot of people complain, it's really bland, it's got no flavour, you need to do something to it, you need to work with it, add your favourite flavours, anything works really. Mm. So yeah, that's my top tips there. Dry seasoning works fantastic and use breadcrumbs for that crispy coating. Uh, for quinoa, my top tip is when you're cooking it, actually cook it in vegetable stock. Um, if Actually, if you eat meat, you can obviously cook it in meat stock or fish stock instead. But if you're keeping it veggie and vegan, cook it in some vegetable stock. You can add in some dried herbs, such as parsley if you want to as well, boost flavour. A little bit of garlic powder or garlic puree works really well too. Um, and then just to finish off at the end, a little bit of olive oil or rapeseed oil and a hit of lemon juice or, or vinegar works really, really well. And that's kind of your standard quinoa before you do anything else. Mm. Uh, but another great way to use quinoa, throw it in stir fries or even just use a bit of soy sauce on it, really helps jazz it up a little bit as well. Mm. The garlic powder and, and, and garlic paste are really interesting because obviously we know how useful garlic is in terms of immune health as well and flavour and, yeah. and people like that kind of thing. and often don't necessarily look past just chopping up a garlic clove and and you know if you don't keep an eye on it you can burn it quite quickly and then people kind of go you know they go off that don't they so i think um yeah it just gives you a chance to to look into those store cupboard staples lovely people and Mm. you know even if you just got a little box of of some kind of dried herbs and 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 seasonings and things like that you know you don't need these fancy shelves with labeled glass jars and things that you see on instagram just you know, figure out what works for you and the flavors you like, and then like like we said there, pick an ingredient or two, um, and and start to figure out how to flavor it for you to enjoy it. Because in essence, if you, you know, I I find I don't know about you, Tiffany, but if you if you're removing a food mm-hmm. for some reason, you know, the key thing is for people that are very active, what are you replacing that with? Um, you know that 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 for me is again where where the rub is and and like you said if you're going meat free you know what's coming in and and how are you gonna make it flavoursome and, and inviting to actually eat it 
um, more often or if you're just looking to increase fiber you know more fruits and vegetables in your diet how are you going to keep keep those things in there and 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 keep them uh, interesting and tasty um, and that's really what it's about and then once you've got that you can obviously then work on the things that you spoke about Tiffany the meal prep um, and and some of the snacks and things that you might take to to where you're doing your activity and things like that so um, I think that's such an important point because obviously we you know we, we discussed a, a bit of research how, how you work in a multidisciplinary team as a sports nutrition advisor and um, you know all the interesting education information and things like that but when you boil it down it is some of these you know small conversations and things to be like actually you know what kind of flavors do you like um this this is what i think you could try as an alternative and you know go away and and start cooking and and see how it works for you and then come back and and we can kind of nip and tuck and and figure out if it's a dish that you're going to keep because um you know I, I obviously love to cook at home um always putting up stuff that you know myself and my fiance are doing and you know really we we only have a roster of I don't know five nine ten recipes that that generally will will churn out that we love so I know there's you know there's the other side of things where people sometimes see all of this food online and and again get a bit of decision fatigue and think people are always constantly eating different types of meals and 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 it's really hard and you know I can't do anything but a lot of us do just make small little tweaks using very similar ingredients each week but just changing the flavors a little bit so i know you're deep in recipe development and things like that, tiffany but i think um you know is does that resonate with you having a few kind of core dishes that that you that you can make on you know a monday evening or a thursday evening after work or a friday morning breakfast when you're really busy and you've got you know x amount of things to do and then obviously when you've got them more time you can go off piece and you can start really experimenting with, with bringing other things in yeah of course i think i like what you said there about the the kind of busy morning breakfast in terms of that it's either something like a chia pudding or overnight oats very standard i know very foodie based um but things like that where they're obviously so nutrient dense but they are there ready to go it means there's no excuses in terms of grabbing you know like really calorie dense and, and nutrient um poor kind of breakfast on the go if you've always got something ready to go there you go you haven't really got to think about it it's already there for you to, to kind of take with you if you're heading off somewhere or just sit down and enjoy if you're quite short on time in the morning in terms of dinners i think i'm a big fan of kind of batch cooking <laughs> as much as i can whether it is things like just roasted vegetables which are so simple throw them on a tray mm. season a little bit of olive oil um, and you've kind of got those for a good few days and it's up to you then what you what you pair them with in terms of your protein source and your extra carbohydrates and your healthy fats um, stir fries, I'm a big advocate for, and especially every Friday, I've got my little tradition going now, especially through lockdown. And Friday seems to be kind of like my oriental night, whether that's stir fry, uh, kind of egg fried rice or egg fried couscous even, if I'm looking to keep it a little bit lighter. Uh, just little things like that where, like you say, it's kind of the key sort of ingredients. Always plenty of fresh veggies in there. Normally a whole grain, whether that's um, kind of brown rice, couscous, quinoa, or anything along those sort of lines. And then whatever that protein source is as well, I try and keep it as high quality as I can. So it's, it is normally tofu, that tends to be one of my favourites, so I'm, I'm glad that's one of the ingredients of this week. Um, but anything like eggs as well, really, really quick and simple to cook in so many different ways because they're that versatile. Mm. So like you say, it's kind of, it is keeping things simple, that's what I've always tried to do. It's the kind of hashtag that I live by on Instagram. Mm. Um, but like you say, it's rotating, keeping that store of, of simple ingredients in, whether that's uh, kind of like your dried foods, all things like your herbs and your spices as well, food vinegars, and then obviously keeping on top of your fresh food like your veggies as well. So it's it's nothing that's too simple, 
and nothing's nothing been too complicated, sorry. Um, but it's just one of those where you've got the option, if you've got a little bit more time, like you said, you can put the work in, create something a little bit more fancy. But on the ground, if you've only got maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes to make a meal, it's still going to be nutritious and it'll still be delicious as well. Oh, cracking. <laughs> Now we've got we've got through so many so many good things and hopefully the listeners can take this away and um, you know just ultimately get in the kitchen and you know I'm hungry from listening to this anyway so um, yeah I think to summarise it's you know you've given us a, a nice journey into how you became a sports nutrition advisor and I think obviously you you voiced that depending on who you're working with you know you set in those key nutrition principles around meeting energy needs protein intake and then obviously under that you have to then figure out exactly um you know where 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 the person is or or you know where where the kind of team are in terms of that that part of the season or or their competition demands and then it comes all the way down to like you said the the weekly shop and meal prep and 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 substituting ingredients and things like that so um no it's 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 been really good i've been looking forward to having having this conversation and getting you on the show so um no thanks thanks so much for your time and um yeah before we go is there anything else you want to signpost people to i'll obviously link to your website and instagram i'll get the details about the open water swimming um resources and things from you so i can put that in there too um obviously people can stay in touch with british swimming and things like that online um is there is there anything else you'd like to let people know about for before we sign off that's all, all good for now i think the main thing is look out for some more exciting new content coming from our social media streams we are planning a lot of big projects and uh, so hopefully over the course of summer and especially from working from home as well that might actually give us a, a lot more time to spend on these projects so yeah just keep an eye out on social media cracking now that's great lovely people and you know i get asked um more and more now that now that i'm doing more podcasts and, and i'm reaching more people you know who do i follow and things for uh, recipe development nutritional nuggets and you know tiffany's definitely one of them so definitely stay in touch and um yeah if if you see you know some of the recipes that are on her page that sneak over to mine um you know you probably see where i'm getting the influence and things from so i need to i need to start involving more 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 of the tofu and um you know more of the quinoa and some of those things so no it's, it's brilliant we've all got things to work on um so yeah thanks for listening and uh stay in touch obviously if you have any questions for me reach out um you know you've got tiffany in terms of her tuesdays and and she'll be obviously putting more polls and things up and and you can really actually get involved in some of her recipe development and things to stay in touch with her and um yeah if you like the show to share it with someone so um great speak soon and, and have a healthy week